Welcome again to the SEM Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Hewlett. My co-host, Jack Price, will be along shortly. And today, we are privileged to hear and have with us Elder Alistair Martin. Alistair, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. Good day to you, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. What part of England are you calling from? Um, so right now I'm calling from Basingstoke, which is in the county of Hampshire. So that's like just about 45 minutes drive southwest of London. But I'm originally from Sheffield, the north of England, so about 200 miles away from where I currently am. But good part of the world, great ward. You know, we've been down here for about 14 years now, 13, 14 years. So we love it down here. I love it. That's amazing. So just to kind of familiarize you with the format, I'm sure you've listened to some of the podcasts, but we're going to talk pre-mission, anticipating, and then getting your call to, to Scotland, jump over that, talk about life since Scotland, and then come back to the mission. So floor's yours, mate. Yeah, good, good. No, I pr- appreciate that. And look, I, I, I have listened to quite a few of the podcasts, and I must say I absolutely love it. Just love hearing about, you know, people's experiences. I absolutely loved my mission. And uh, just, you know, it just brings back good feelings. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about family and stuff. I've got three boys. And, of course, my desire is that they serve a mission. And uh, we, we just got back from vacation today. And we traveled like four hours there, four hours back to a place called Cornwall in the south of England. You've Any American missionaries who come to the UK you've got to go to Cornwall it's beautiful it's like California of England and um I, I put the podcast on while we were driving you know so it was just cool nice. hearing stories and uh, there was a few interesting stories that they asked me about but uh it was just good to spark conversation you know, the, you know what's a podcast what's what's the mission who did you serve with and you know it just it was just nice to have that conversation so I loved it thanks for thanks yeah. for doing this that's um, amazing so yeah, you got you got three new subscribers. The youngest is five, so uh, well done. <laughs> nice. So, so basically, I don't know if if you're aware, but I'm I'm a convert to the church, and uh, I joined when I was about coming to my 16th birthday. So I'll tell you the story because it, it's good for context. Okay. Um, so when I my, my parents split when I was about 18 months old, I have no recollection, and. Uh, so I moved in with my grandparents because my mom had to then work full time. So I moved in with my grandparents and I went to a school there um, and I got really good friends, even at a young age, like five years old, with, with a kid called Ben. And uh, sadly, at, we, we were there for about two or three years and then our school actually got knocked down. They're, they're going to build you guys, you real estate guys. We're building houses on our school. So our school had to be knocked down and there was protests and we all went to that. Um, so Ben and I lost contact. So I then moved back in with my mom and went to another school. And uh, then we went to high school, senior school, secondary school. We, we I, I was in uh, on, on the first day and I was in the class and then this kid walked in. I was like, man, that kid looks so familiar. Then he looked at me and there was just like this recollection of like knowing each other. And I was like, are you Ben? He was like, yeah, are you Al? I'm like, yeah. So then basically we we got like best friends all throughout secondary school. And um, he eventually, you know, we played football together, did everything together. And um, there was always something, something about him that was just different. And uh, he, he went to a lot of weddings on Sundays, put it that way. I was like, why is he going in a suit on a Sunday? He went to a lot of weddings, he used to tell me. And um, basically one day we were playing football outside his house and he said, look, I've got something to tell you. This is at 14 years old. He said, I've got something to tell you. I'm thinking, my initial thought was like, this guy's coming out to me right now. <laughs> I was like, okay, so go ahead. And, and he just said, I'm a Mormon. I'm thinking... I have no idea what that even means. I was like, and? He's like, I go to church. I'm thinking, okay. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what sort of response you want to that, but basically one thing after another, he invited me to come to church with him. He's like, look, I go to church. 
he might have had, I don't know, the missionaries ask his family to do something, but he told me about church and he said, do you want to come? And this was at like 14 years old. So I decided to go. It was young men's. And then, uh, then I went to a church dance, but I would never come on a Sunday because I played football on a Sunday. Mm. And I played football with my school friends. So that's pretty intense. Like when you're winging that mix. Anyways, I the missionary lessons absolutely just you know fell in love with the gospel i believed it from the first minute i'd been searching you know i'd always had a belief in god and you know about a year after my first ever lesson you know these missionaries were amazing like i thought they were like angels right until i met real missionaries in scotland and realized they weren't perfect yeah. um so basically a year after i joined the church and i always said to myself i'll join the church but i'm not going to go on a mission that seems a bit intense. So then I decided, you know, through a good group of friends, I would go on a mission. And then I was like, look, I'll, I'll go on a mission, but I do not want to serve in Scotland or Ireland. That was so... <laughs> Anyways, so I got my mission to Scotland. So, yeah, great. it was just a great experience having that sort of member referral experience, having lessons in their home, you know, the perfect scenario, which my gospel calls it. Um, so anyways, I put my mission papers in eventually and I, I was working as a delivery driver in a white van and I was delivering a magazine called the Auto Trader. So for the British guys that, I don't know if you know what that is, but the Auto yeah. Trader is a, a car magazine and I would deliver them to petrol stations and supermarkets all around the north of England. And uh, one, one time I was just driving around, my mom called me and she was like, she was, she was crying. I'm thinking, oh, man, what's happened? She's like, it's here. It's here. And I knew what that meant. And then I put the phone down, and I just started crying. I'm thinking, man, it's here. So, yeah, so then we went home. I went home, and my family were there. And none, none of my family are members, right? But we did the whole family gathering, and I read it out. And then when I said Scotland, I was like, no way. I was like, Scotland? Really? My bishop told me I was going to New Zealand. My friend thought I was going to Fiji. I got Scotland. So I was like, come on. I was a little bit devastated. But yeah. it, it kind of soon left me. And I was excited. So I love it. Yeah, it's it's been a consistent part of our conversation with those of you from the UK. You know, obviously from England itself. That it's like, like us... Utah kids like myself going to Wyoming or Idaho or, you know, somewhere you could drive in a few hours and it's easy to get to. Right. But I get that completely. So tell us, tell us about life after Scotland. What have you been up to since then? You said you've got your kids and you're married. Tell us more about that. I am three kids, one wife. Um, Look, so my, my mission I, I'm I'm quite an all-in sort of guy. Hi, Jack. By the way, how you doing? Good. I'm not sure we ever met, by the way. But, uh, I don't think so. I think we're in the mission probably for a couple of months. But thanks for having me on. Um, so I, I was all in, and it it changed me completely into a completely, you know, just different person. And I will be ever thankful for that. But that also meant I came home as a bit of a weirdo. I'm going to be honest. Like everyone comes a bit of a weirdo as a return missionary, but I was a bit of a weirdo. And um, so I can remember coming home that first night and like tidying my bedroom to like 2 a.m. in the morning, like getting rid of old, old clothes and like getting rid of the clutter and, you know, cleaning it and just really wanting to be just like, you know, organized and just be, my mom was like, what are you doing? You have got the, You've got the whole year to do this. Like, why would you do it now? I'm just like, I need to do it now. I was a bit of an emo before the mission as well. I liked like all the rocky sort of music. And I had like, you know, like shirts that said like, my heart belongs to you in blood and like all that sort of like, so I was like, get rid of all that weird stuff. And I'm going to me now. And uh, so look, I, I, and no one in my family has ever been to university before. Right. My, I I grew up a lot with my grandparents. My grandfather was a uh, worked in a steelworks, which was pretty common in Sheffield. And uh, no one had ever been to university, and really the concept of university had never 
really entered my head until I, I kind of met missionaries like O'Brien and Stringfellow and McConkey. And then in my interview, my leaving interview with President Frederick, he was just like, look, you have got to go to university. Like, go get your education, go to university. So I basically got home the next day and just called up the local university. I was like, look, this is what I've been doing. I did get some, you know, A-level grades that were pretty all right. So this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm thinking about business. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm going to do, business and marketing. And they were like, look, we, we do have a couple spaces, but, you know, lots of people are after them. It's like, come down tomorrow for an interview. So honestly, I, I'm so embarrassed thinking back to it. So I went down like super and booted, tie polished, side parting into the university. I had an interview and look, I like started like three days later doing business and no wow. clue what I was doing. Um, and it, it, another example of my family thinking I was a weirdo, I used to get like mad at them and like annoyed that they were like lazy because they were watching TV. I was just like, Come on, you've got to be doing something. You guys are so unproductive. And I think they were just like, who is this guy? Bring the old while back. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I went, went to university, um, got, had a few weird jobs. I, I was like a roofer for a little bit for a member. I, I, I sold pat testing. Do you know what pat testing is? Like mm-hmm. in the UK, yeah, on each plug socket, it has to be like tested yearly to see if it's like cool and you put like a sticker on it. So I used to like going to industrial estates and sell pack testing. Horrend- you thought missionary work was hard. That was hard. And um, so anyways, I went to university. As part of that, I got a job at a company called Fujitsu. It's a large Japanese IT company. And, and look, th- there's just these little miracles in your life, right? And, and getting this job at Fujitsu was just one of these little miracles. And uh, it was part of a graduate scheme there. And you have to go through loads of interviews and loads of different tests. And I did it all. Like presentation, of course, was cool. I was used to presenting. Group work was fine. But then you had to do these tests. And one of them was a math test. I, I, I'm pretty not, I'm just not good with math, right? And uh, actually failed the math test. But then one of the sessions was an interview. So and I met this guy, I was interviewing with him, and I ended up getting a job offer. And, and he, he one day said to me, look, you, you failed the math test. And that is kind of like a no-go. We were so impressed with, you know, missions and missionary work and the sort of stuff that I was doing. It's like, you seem like you're on it. And, you know, just these little miracles that have just changed my life then. So I got this job moved down to where I currently live. And um, it, it was weird. I was selling IT to defense and national security. So I've gone from saving people's spiritual lives to selling computers that like kill people in Iraq and stuff, like from planes. Yeah, so it was a bit, it was a bit weird. And uh, I did that for three years. Didn't really enjoy it, really. And then I got a job at a company that actually was headquartered in Utah. So it was at task. It then turned to work front and now it's been sold to Adobe. So it's just in Lehigh, Utah. So I worked there for eight years, had some amazing experiences. And now I work for another software company and we set up a sales office here in UK and absolutely loving it. Been there three years selling HR technology to HR groups. So that's amazing. Good for you. No, I appreciate it. And then but, family, family stuff. Don't skip over your wife and kids. Yeah, she is going to be happy when this is over because I've been like reading my journals. I've been like talking about a mission. Should I say, share that story? Should I share that story? And uh, she's heard them all a hundred times. So you know, I got mad. I've never wanted to be one of those guys. I get you know these Utah guys. I guess married, you no know, straight away. Um, but I was actually I was writing to a girl all the way through my mission. And then she was supposed to come and see me at my homecoming. And her dad would not let her drive. She just passed the test. And her dad would not let her drive so far. And then my my wife came. She was from the same stake. And so I kind of knew of, we knew of each other. And she came to my homecoming talk. Apparently, just because her friends would come in. Um, and she came to my homecoming talk. And she came back to my house for food afterwards. And then she actually texted me like the day after. And she made it out like 
she texted me and a friend. She was like, hey, Al and Ben, just wondered, would you like to go shopping? And I needed some new clothes because I just looked like a P-Day missionary all day long. <laughs> so I went on this date and we got married We got married 11 months later and we've got three boys, Isaac, who's 11, Alfie, who's nine, and Jude, who's five. So a lot of testosterone in the house. <laughs> That's perfect for you, though. You you exude that ideal dad to raise good boys. So that's awesome. It's hard work. It's oh, hard I, work. I, I can only imagine keeping you up all, with them, right? You all know that. <laughs> all right. So take us back to the mission. Um, start at the MTC and just kind of go from there. Aries you served in, um, companionships, stories, anything along the way. Okay, so um, went to Preston MTC, um, and there was only two of us going to Scotland. So it was me and Elder Pattenden Jr., Stuart Pattenden, yeah. mm-hmm. and Elder O'Brien was also in our group, but he his visa had not come hit, come in time, so he had to go to the Provo MTC. So we didn't get to see him until the mission home. So it's just us going to Scotland and uh, his older brother, Chris Pattenden, you probably know him. He was actually a teacher in the MTC. So he, he, you know, just loved Scotland and, you know, made us all both excited for Scotland. And uh, I absolutely loved the MTC, loved it. Um, And then, you know, the train ride up to Scotland was just beautiful. I'm just super excited. You get off the train, you hear the bagpipes in Edinburgh and, you know, President Vereen's with his, his huge hands just comes and gives you a big hug and Sister Vereen's with her big hands comes and whacks you on the back. And, you know, it, it was just, it was just amazing. And uh, I just loved every minute of the MC and every, basically every minute of the mission. But uh, I, I, remind, I... Remind us real quick, what was the timeline you went into the MTC? What, what month? Yeah, so I got my call in, I think it was like July, and I didn't go till September. I was like really mad, like waiting around, just like, all right. And uh, so I went in September, and then I think it was like two weeks in the MTC. It was a time when they like they sent you out proselyting and GQing and stuff, and uh, that was a load of fun. And uh, so, yeah, so got to the mission, um, and... First area, I think you served there, Zach. I don't know about you, Jack, but Hamilton was my first yep. area. All right, yeah. Yeah, so Hamilton with Elder Brian Rhodes. So that was uh, that was a bunch of – I really loved Rhodes. He was just, like, perfect, you know, worked really hard, good guy. Um, Hamilton was just a great first area. You know, it, it was freezing though because it was like October going into Christmas time, and um, I, I just remember, you know, being a prideful young English missionary. You know, I was like, I, I know what the weather's like here, and on the first night, all the roads was like, you should, you should probably bring a rain jacket. I was like, whatever, you, you don't know this. I was like, I got this. So uh, I, I don't know what I thought I was doing, but I, I had like five. Book of Mormons or Books of Mormon, I'll let you choose. And I stuffing them in my like brand new suit pockets, like five books of Mormon. And oh boy, we went out chapping and it rained hard. And I can just remember coming home with like a blue shirt that never recovered. And that was the Lord telling me you should listen to your trainer. And I think <laughs> secretly, I think secretly Rhodes was loving that, by the way. But uh Hamilton was just amazing. Great first area. You, you know, you know the walks and the Camerons and the McDougals and and all of that. But it's a rough area, right? It's in the Glasgow zone, and it's a rough area. I can remember pretty early on getting chased down the Hamilton High Street where all the shops are. You know, these like nerds, like you're effing Jehovah's Witnesses, and I'm like, I'm like running like. I was like mad. I'm like, we're not even Jarvis witnesses. We're Mormons. So yeah, that that was a fun time in Halton. But uh, we, we had some pretty good success. Elder Hawkins, Colby Hawkins, uh, was with Rhodes before me, and Hawkins just super nice guy. You know, works hard. Just, just a good guy. So they, you know, they've got some people that we were teaching. We had quite a bit of success, and 
the first baptism we had was actually a lady called Agnes McGorty, who was 75 years old, and she dedicated her life to be a Catholic nun. Right, and like we're going in, and this lady like got baptized, and one of the young men in the ward baptized, and it was just amazing. She was so humble, you know, like she had like peg legs and knees, but she would always get on her knees to pray. She's just such a good lady, and you know, just a really nice experience to to, to teach her and stuff. So, and um, I was reading in my journal in preparation for this, and it was funny. For her baptism, her first scheduled date didn't go ahead. And um, it said in my in my journal that the boiler didn't work, so the water was freezing. And you've heard this a few times. I've heard it on your podcast. Yeah. And then the, the boiler guy came out, and he was like, look, guys, like these boilers are, are made to be used way more often than they're being used. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, ouch. You, you just gave us a jab, and you didn't even know it. You just offended us big time and you didn't even know you did it. But yeah, that, that was fun. Yeah, Hamilton was it just just a good time. And uh, I think it was gone. I was just gonna say the other people that I'm thinking of too, and I've I've already reflected on you know Winifred Terrett that lived just down down from us, but the other Every person seven. I was the other person I was thinking about that I hadn't mentioned previously and He's the the most genuine man. Is John Ryan Park? Do you remember him? Mm, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, he. Um, you know, I had a great relationship with John, and um, he came to my wedding, and you know, he was like a Mason guy. You're right. He had polio as a kid, and he was a jeweler, and he was you know, just a really good guy. And he he got baptized. So Rhodes. Me and Rhodes were together for three months, and then Stainton, David Stainton, came in for three for three months, and we knew each other before our missions. You know, we used to um, know each other back home, so we had a great fun and, and, and worked hard. And uh, John Ryan Park was just amazing, good, good guy. I, I can remember one time that we were like teaching him, or like showing him where the church was, or we're doing something on his computer, like I don't know if it was like printing his baptism um, program off or something. I'm like, we went on his laptop and his history was a little bit sketchy let's say that we had to we had to have a little bit of a impromptu lesson on the lower chastity let's say that he would always talk about women and different women he would come and have to stay with him but he was, a, he was such a cool guy yeah and, um, he is I think who were zone leaders were Elder Farnsworth and Elder Bear. Remember that? Okay. Oh, yeah. Good good guy. Re- really enjoyed them. And uh, I remember my first exchange was with Elder Farnsworth and uh, right in the heart of Glasgow. And he, he took us in these, um, these high-rise flats in Glasgow. And I'm thinking, you're either stupid or like, you feel really protected because I know in the UK what sort of things happen in these sort of flats. Like this is not an area you want to go as a normal person, never mind dressed in a suit with a side part. And uh, anyways, we, we went um, and they were teaching a guy called Jesus at the time. And this was like really early on in my mission. And uh, this black guy called Jesus. And um, he was like an immigrant in, in a fun way. And he'd seen like, he seemed like his parents get like his dad was in like the military over there and his home had been like some guys had come in and like killed his parents in front of him and like oh. done some really bad things. And this guy was just like, I just couldn't be like, you meet the sort of people on your mission that you will never meet in any other scenario. Right. Mm-hmm. I just, it was a baptism of fire thinking, wow, these are the sort of people that you meet as a missionary. But that certainly got a good journal entry that night. So, oh my yeah. gosh! And then uh, Stinton came down, and uh, you've got to have him on. We're, we're good friends. I think you said you've reached out to him, but I, I, and he can confirm or deny this. But I can remember on our first night going to bed, and I, I like looked over and I was like, "The heck are you doing?" 
And I don't know if you'd ever been in any of his flats, but he got these like bed sheets. And um, on the bed sheet was like this like full size hot girl in like a bikini. And like the the neck would stop at the top of like where the cover stops. So it would be like his head. And then this like hot girl in his body. I was like, dude, what are you doing with this like bed sheet on? But we, we had we had some really good times, and uh, <laughs> it was, it was I never blood. saw those bed sheets, but I can imagine because that sounds like him. Yeah, that's too funny. So yeah, good good first area, and uh, it is. Do you remember Elder Lemon, the the old the senior missionary Elder Lemon? Is he yeah. is he still around? As far as we're aware, yes. Um, we've had a couple of missionaries that spent a decent amount of time in the office that uh, said that he's around. We're just we're trying to contact him. I just haven't found the means to do so. So we'll we'll keep trying. I just, just had a bone to pick with him because uh, well, I can remember waking up in Hamilton one morning with like in a freezing cold with no electricity and no hot water and. Um, we we contacted like the landlord. He's like, yeah, um, Elder Lemon's just not paid the bill this month, so uh, we cut you off. I was oh like, oh, so we're uh, sort of like setting up candles around the house. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Welcome <laughs> to Hamilton. So yeah, that was fun. So uh, and we'll, we'll see if we can we'll see if we can confirm that when we talk to them. Don't mention my name. Say so it was Elder Stanton. Um, <laughs> And then from Hamilton, it was up to Elgin. So that, that's a good old train journey. Yeah. Uh, and that was with Elder Trotia, Travis Trotia. Fun mm-hmm. fact, all of, I think they've got like four kids or six kids, and each of their first names begins with T. And I'm their serious? license is like Travis Trotia, like Tracy Trotia, Timothy Trotia. Talana Trotia, I'm, I'm making this up, but uh, his name's Travis Trotia. And uh, their license plate was six T's, he told me once. So they seem like a good family, goofy family. So, uh, but he, uh, you know, so that was up to Trotia and Elgin. And uh, and then I also trained, and I, I was district leader in Elgin with Trotia. Then I trained Elder Shenton, Jonathan Shenton. Mm-hmm. If you would have crossed paths. And so I spent four and a half months in Elgin. And that was hard. The Highlands is, look, it's beautiful, but not beautiful for missionary work. And uh, I, I, we, we tried hard, but it was, uh, it was a bit frustrating up there, I'll be honest. And you've had many people talk about Inverness and the Highlands being wonderful, and it, it is right. It's beautiful, and that's what you think of as Scotland. But you know, I really, really wanted to baptize people and do missionary work, and you know, it was a little, little frustrating. But uh, I remember getting so because it was a tiny branch. It was like on the roundabout in like a makeshift hut, I think. And uh, yeah. I, I remember getting so frustrated that like missionary work wasn't happening once and then we had like one investigator this single mom with her daughter who was like one or something and um there was a ward activity going on like no one would pick her up and so i was like right we had a car i was like i don't care i'm like, i'm taking her and i think back to this i think what an idiot like i took this single female investigator with her one-year-old child with the baby car seat in the car to this activity and I'm just like you idiot but I was just so frustrated that I wanted this investigator to be at the ward activity and then uh, I rock up to this activity and the bishop or the branch president was uh, can you remember Tom Brownlow yeah Brownlow so we knew each other from before and his sister had married the branch president and they lived there because he was in the RAF and Tom Brownlow just happened to be visiting that ward activity and uh, I rock up with this investigator with this one year old and he was just like, if President Greens finds out that you, you are dead. And I was just thinking, and it kind of clicked at that moment. Like, you, you know, 
idiot. Why would you do that? But anyway, I was just frustrated up there, and uh, it, it it was good. It was a good learning experience, and Trotia and Shenton were good guys, and we, we got on well. So Shenton, by the way, he should come on. He has. He should hold the Guinness World Record for the stinkiest feet in ever as a missionary. I don't know what's going on with those things, but he had stinky feet, and he knew it as well. But he was a good guy. So yeah, he is a good guy. I I I don't know about his feet. I'm glad I didn't get that revealed to me like you did. But uh, yeah, I do like like both of them. And we have talked to to. Elder Trottier, he's he will be on in the future. Oh, okay, good. He's like a he's quite a timid guy, right? So I'm not a timid guy. So we had it. We had a good relationship, and uh, we used to, you know, have have fun. He's like a he's like a is he like a helicopter pilot now or something? Like he used to tell me he was going to be a helicopter pilot. I used to think to myself, dude, there is no way you're going to be a helicopter pilot. Like no way, and. <laughs> I saw on Facebook he's a helicopter pilot. So, well, well, well done, well done, Steve, for encouraging him. Yeah, you probably put the thought in his mind, and he was like, "I'm going to show Al Martin. There's no way that I'm not going to be this." He set out yeah. to prove you wrong. I'll show that English jerk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah, and then after that was down to Irving. Mm-hmm. And I can remember the night. I think it was President Frederick had just come in. I think oh, it's a hard in it. Your mind gets mungled, mungled up with like timings and stuff. But I think President Frederick had like just come in. It was like his first moves. He's like, "I want you to go be a zone leader in Irving." I was like, "Oh, Fred, I think that's like McConkey's area." He's like, "Your command is going to be McConkey." And I was like so scared that I was gonna be serving with McConkey, like a Bruce or McConkey's grandson. And there's me, like I've been a member like three years and basically knew nothing. And I'm thinking, man, I'm gonna like here's this guy who is like related to Joseph Smith. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I was like terrified of being as only that then plus mix that with being with McConkey, but yeah, so I went down there. But we served, we served like eleven months of our mission together. So, and that's kind of why I wanted him to be on because we just hit it off big time, and we were just the best of friends and had just amazing, you know, success and fun um, down there. And I think we served like six months together in Irving as zone leaders of Paisley, and that. That experience in Irving just like changed my life. Honestly, it was just amazing. Like this, I, I would I feel really lucky to have like a year with President Greens, basically just just under a year, and then like just over a year with President Frederick. It just felt like it was just like two missions, two completely different thoughts and philosophies about missionary work. And um, and uh, I remember the first. I think it was like the first night or I was reading my journal like the second night we got like it's quite a rough area Irving right like just Ned throwing F you you Bible bashers like throwing stones so that was loads of fun while you're trying to chat those um but loved it and uh I, I can remember just just too too many stories to talk about with McConkey but uh we we went to see quite early on. Went to see a less active, and uh, we found this guy like walking the street in just his garments. This like less active guy. So okay, so this is what Evan's going to be like. Okay, cool. And uh, I don't know what we did, but I can just remember writing the journal entry like, "Yeah, we saw this guy in his garments just walking the street." So I was like, mm, "Okay." And the uh, f- funny story, just to break back to being home a moment so uh i lived with my grandparents for a lot of my time and, and when i got back on mission i lived with my grandparents and um, of course they used to do my washing and they're not members and i came home one day i was like i was like granddad 
what are you wearing? You're wearing my top. He's like, I'm not wearing your top. I was like, dude, you are wearing my top. That is mine. <laughs> like, did, did grandma sew those little symbols in your vest for you? I'm telling you, it's mine. Trust me, it's mine. Here's my non-member granddad just sat on the sofa watching TV in my garment top. So that, that was and that's so funny oh gosh what else so lots of stuff to talk about with Irwin so we, we had an investigator called Donna and uh, we she was a little little sketchy there was just something about her a little bit and uh, you know she struggled to make, make like keep commitments and uh, you know, when we first went we got into a home and we first teaching her um on the way out, we noticed there was like a light on in her spare room. It was like super hot. And we're like, like Donna, what's going on? Basically, it turns out she was growing her own weed in her like spare room. So okay, so you're you're gonna have word of wisdom issues. Okay, so, <laughs> so that, that was and then th- there was just this monumentous like shift while we were in Irving to from kind of like this, this culture of like, if you ain't chapping, you ain't trying to, you know, really trying to do missionary work the way that kind of preach my gospel teachers through like member work. And there was lots of different stuff that was happening. But uh, I, I remember one, one of the, th- one of the things we just, we just sat there thinking we, we can't just knock doors all day, every day. We just can't, there's got to be a better way, right? The handbook tells us that that's like one of the least effective things to do, but everybody wants to do it first. We're just like, how can we like change the way we do things here at Irving? And how can, and, and uh, I mean, we just started by, we looked at the world list and we looked at everyone's birthday. And we made a note in our phone with everyone's birthday and every time it was someone's birthday, we'd like go and we'd share a spiritual thought with them and we'd take them like a little gift. And the state president, I don't know, was he state, were you in Irving, Zach, or I thought one of you was in Irving? No, I never made it to the Paisley stake. Me neither. The, okay, so the, the state president, President Douglas Yates, and he's an amazing guy. And um, he lived in the ward. And what, Right early on, it was his son's birthday, and uh, we ju- we just wrote. You know, I thought it was probably like fourteen or something, and we just wrote this kid a letter and said, "Look, you're an amazing young man. You know, you're a great member missionary." And we bought him a tie for his birthday and said, "Look, we you should go on a mission. Here's a tie for your mission." And like our relationship with President Yates then just completely changed. Like he felt like we cared about him, cared about his family, you know. And, and now as a father with three boys, like if the missionaries came and did that to me and like encouraged my sons to go on missions and you know made time on their birthday to share a spiritual thought with them. It was just something so simple. Right? We didn't really even think about it, but it just changed our relationship with the state president. And you know, he really he really caught the vision of member missionary work. And we had some just amazing experiences um there. And uh just, Maybe just one of one of I don't know the most wonderful experiences in, in Irving was uh, the bishop's daughter, the the Govans family. For anyone who served in um, Irving, Amy Govans was was a really young girl at the time, but she she had a friend called Hannah, and you know we would go around and we'd do this thing called My Mission Plan. I don't know if it was like an area thing or just a Scotland thing, but what it would basically do is it would commit each you know, family to a family mission plan and each individual to do something, even if it's just small, just to do something. And basically she shared the name of our friend, Hannah. And a long story short, we got teaching Hannah and we taught her in the governor's home, at the bishop's home, and it was just, just an amazing spiritual experience. And then throughout that time, and they were quite a wealthy family, the Adairs, Hannah Adair, and um, the, they had two daughters, and the dad at the time actually got cancer. He got like a brain tumor. And like throughout the time of teaching her, he actually passed away. And like we would take him to his like chemotherapy appointments and stuff. And it was just such a 
just a sad experience to experience. But at the same time, you're teaching about hope and about the temple and about, you know, families can be together forever. And it was just such an amazing experience. And, uh, you know, she got baptised and then her mom got baptised, her sister got baptised. And, you know, it, it was just one of those experiences on your mission where, you know, you really see the gospel in action. You see them have hope and... It, it was just it was just a good good experience i remember missionary work referral in in the bishop's home and you know really caught kind of a vision there and um, around it no that's incredible you brought up the my mission plan and i remember implementing that the last probably the last three months of my mission would have been the time frame when I was uh, in Aberdeen as the zone leader. And I remember implementing that and it really did. It, it caught the members on fire. Like it put them in a position where instead of us committing strangers to do things, we were committing people that we had relationships with, we had built trust with that understood the nature of why we were there and because we were giving them those commitments and following through and asking if they had kept those commitments, it changed the whole way in which the mission started to evolve. And yeah, I mean, I mean, as I've reflected on it often, I had so many amazing experiences in Aberdeen and it had everything to do with the fact that we were having those member, you know, mission plan conversations with them and talking with them about, Hey, let's let's set a goal and let's make a plan on how you're going to achieve that goal. And it was it really did. It changed the whole aspects of how we went about missionary work. And obviously, we've talked to other missionaries who, you know, superseded my time in Scotland that saw the the fruits of that that came to fruition very, very quickly thereafter. Uh, it, it, it was unbelievable. And look, there were. And, and in that, there was it was just about getting the members to make commitments, right? And it, mm-hmm. it could be super simple commitments, like mention the fact that you went to church this Sunday, right? You know, just and that is your starting point, okay? And it would just commit each fact. And look, there were kids, and there were adults, and there were bishops that would push back on it. And I can remember. We had a great relationship with President Yates, the state president of um, Paisley. He's someone you should really get on. I know everyone has their favourites. He is someone who just caught the vision and got it and just would hammer bishops about member missionary work. And I can remember we got invited with um, to stake priesthood leadership meeting. It was like one of these like Wednesday night things. And it was with all the bishops and all the world mission leaders. And me and McConkie got invited to kind of talk about it and talk about like this shift to member missionary work. And you know, it, it was, it was such an interesting meeting. And I will never forget that meeting because there was people that were super on board and there was people that were super negative and, and look, I don't want to call him out, but there was a, there was a Bishop in, and he's probably changed and probably done wonderful stuff. And a lot of people like him, I know, um, but Bishop McKechnie in, in Pollock or Paisley, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, he was quite opposed to it at the start. He was like, you know, your missionaries are making my members, like pressuring them to make commitments. And, you know, and then like, it was like, hey, hey, it was like the House of Commons in England. Hey, yeah, you know, they're making us do stuff. Like, it's like we've covenanted to do this type of thing. And um, they, uh, so, so there was a few people that like got up and started kind of like giving it some grief. And I remember, remember like this story of Joseph Smith and like Carthage jail and these like jail officers were like telling them what they were going to do to their wives and their kids and they're going to slaughter them. And Joseph Smith stands up and, you know, you fiends of these town people. Look, it was like one of those moments. McConkie stood up and he gave it them. He, I can't even remember what he said, but I can just remember being like, wow, that is one of those moments. He was just like, look, this is the way like we're doing it. This is the way that we're supposed to do it. Like the people that we're bringing in from the street are not the sort of people that you want to support. Like we're bringing, we're doing member missionary work. This is the way it's going. And, and he just like gave it and it was like silent. I was like, wow. Like brother Bruce was in that room 
through Richard McConkey at that moment. I can just remember like just being blown away by just that meeting and the spirit was strong and you know there's there's lots of success from it from from then. So so if I get a bit passionate in talking about it by the way. I, no no you're perfectly fine. I mean the, the whole entire situation, you know, I served around McConkey at at the same time that Jack did um, early on in his mission. And ultimately it was one of those things where I remember president Vrain's always preaching quiet dignity and, mm-hmm. and Richard had that, like he was just, he was so stoic in those moments. And, but then he would bring the power when the power was necessary. And, you know, that, that was just kind of the missionary that he was. And I'm sure it had a lot to do with his upbringing and being in a house household where that influence of his grandfather, his grandparents in totality. I mean, that's just kind of who he was. And he was definitely meant to be in Scotland when he was. Um, yeah. Like, look, I absolutely loved serving with him and uh, we speak often and, uh, you yeah, know, I just felt privileged to be with him, right? Like just super different backgrounds, right? And then we're serving together for like 11 and a half months. So then, uh, so then, so we were together six months and McConkie went to BAP and then I had Colin, Colin Kilgo come and join me. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, was, it feels a bit, um, like we didn't get much time together. We were like six weeks and then you know, we just tried to carry on that momentum. And then uh, he's a good guy, right? Colin Gilgo worked hard. This guy was like a cage fighter or something. So uh, he was like ripped and I got a bit fat. More than Conkey got a lot of dinner appointments, so I got a little fat. And um, yeah, so it was good. So And then six weeks after that, I never expected it. I'd been like with McConkey for six months. And President Frederick, oh, I uh, want to come and serve with McConkey again. I was like, oh my word. So yes. Yeah, so, so then we served in Edinburgh for I served in Edinburgh for the remaining like eight months. Because they like they like take you in like two weeks early or something. And we were with Stanley, I think. Was it Stanley? McConkie and Stanley. So we were like threesome for like two weeks and then Stanley went home. Um and then McConkie served there until he went home and I went home. So Wow. That's amazing. Well, you sh- you shared you know a brief memory. You know because Jack and I are of the larger majority of our time with the Vreens. Tell us about your memories of President Sister Vreens, and if you like, you can also share your memories of President Sister Fredrickson. Yeah. Um, so, so President Vreens was just—I couldn't just remember him being like a huge guy. Like, like a scary but loving guy. And uh, just the moment, like, you got off the train, he was, like, waiting for you at the in Edinburgh, and he just gave you this big hug, like, you were meant to be there, you were welcome. And, look, I, I just, I had this thing, like, at the beginning, I just felt a bit inadequate, like, and I know some missionaries say this, but, like, being a convert, and, like, you're around all these missionaries, I've been thinking about this their whole life. Like, he just made me feel like, feel like I was supposed to be there and, you know, I was going to do great. And, you know, he was just a great guy. And, and Sister Vreens was just Sister Vreens, right? Miss Piggy and whatever else, she, she was hilarious. Um, but spending so much time with President Frederick, I learned so much of him. And I know it's cliche to say, but he was such a good, like, father figure in encouraging me, like, just to like go to university and you know choose the right things when you get home and you know a, a wife that is you know going to build you up and all just it was just an amazing amazing guy and he really caught a vision and he wasn't scared of doing things that were different and um what well, i don't know if i should tell the story or not but uh, uh you remember elder zacharias like the man mountain elder Zacharias, he was like seven feet tall or something. It was huge. And then something crazy had gone down while he was in Elgin. And um, 
it, it got pretty serious and and basically like the authorities were like you've got to send this guy home and president frederick was like no i don't want him to go home so he can just kind of live in the mission home and he can be like the mission home gardener it's like we had elder zacharias living with us for like i don't know however long until he went home but uh you know he was just you know so, something happened and he could have got sent home but president frederick was like no he's not going he's he can just come and serve and we're going to keep him we're going to build him up and you know he was a mission gardener so he'd wake up and like zacharias was i don't know if he was like farmer before but he worked hard he was out there doing things every morning um but president frederick also knew that there was a lot of missionaries in edinburgh that used to come in like at moves time and uh, look at look at the news board and try and get like the gossip of them and like call everyone and you know that's just natural, right? And um, so there was a news board in President Frederick's room, but there was also a news board in Sister Frederick's room. So he would like purposely play with the missionaries. So he'd be like, "Okay, okay, we're gonna put, we're gonna put like a greenie as zone leader, and we're gonna do this." And then, so and people are like, "Whoa." Oh man, Bocco's going to Shetland, oh, all that sort of stuff. But it was like all absolute trash. And the real news was in Sister Frederick's room. And um, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's lots of things that you regret as a missionary. But there's, you know, I remember one news night, me and McConkey played a trick on the, um, I think it was the sisters, I think it was. Stoker and Wellington, they'd like asked us, please don't move us. We love it together. Like, don't move us. And we, President Frederick had a really unique voice. Like, he'd always be like, hey, hey. And he'd like answer his phone, like, President Frederick. So we'd like, like, mastered his voice. So we like, we like got his phone and like called them up and we're like, hey, sisters, you were, you're like moving. And, and, uh, like they just like started crying on the phone. Like I was like, we have we've kind of like overstepped the mark a little bit here. So uh yeah, we got a bit of a telling off about that. That was uh, one of the things things you regret. Oh my but gosh. It, President Frederick was just an amazing guy. He 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 was, but some people didn't like it, he was quite numbers orientated. And you know he wanted to see things progress, and look, they did progress. Like back, there's no beating around the bush. Baptisms literally like doubled within his first year because of just this movement of member missionary work, referrals, you know, committing people. You know, there was a lot of things I used to hate is like eternigators. You know, there's people that are just like missionaries would go see and they would enjoy teaching the lesson because they could get the number for the lesson. And um, uh, you used to like sit, you know, you've got to commit people to baptism. Like, this is why we're here. And uh, there was a girl in Edinburgh when we first got there. Of course, Mary. I'm always saying it. This is why McClunky should be on because I'm like the dumb one. Um, Mary, McGregor, Mary McGregor, right? And she'd been taught for like months and months. So we just went in, we're like, first lesson, we're like, look, Mary, we know that you've had spiritual experiences. We know that you can show to agree. Like, you need to get baptized or we're going to stop teaching because you know. So you need to get baptized or we're going to stop teaching. And she got baptized. Do you know what I mean? Like, she, he was very much of the, you've got to commit people, you've got to, you know, push people a little bit. And some people felt uncomfortable with it, but he, he taught me a lot. He taught me a lot. So thankful for him. Oh, I love that. So as we kind of wrap up our conversation here, you know, really, is there any lasting experiences that you had on your mission that have truly propelled you to where you are today that you reflect on often? Um, so many. Um, I think just this this idea that you, know, you can make things happen. 
know, I know it's cliche, but, you know, pe- people limit themselves, right? And President Frederick specifically told me that, you know, you, you, you can make things happen. If you put your mind to it, if you stay positive, you can go out and make things happen. And, uh, you know, I've tried to tried to keep that attitude throughout my life. And I've seen, you know, I work in sales now. And um, so many good experiences have happened where, you know, people have told you no and then you go ahead and you do something different and you close the deal and, you know, just that attitude of getting things done and, you know, uh, overcoming obstacles, you know, has, has helped me throughout my life, I think. So we really thankful to be around him and his, uh, his goodness. I love that. Well, the last thing I wanted to ask, you've mentioned you know, your companions and some great missionaries. Is there anyone else as we're proceeding forward with this podcast that you'd like to hear from that you'd want to call out or shout out? Yeah, I did make a list. So I knew this question was coming. <laughs> um, so here's, here's my list. Okay. And, and look, this for you is like referrals. Right, so I'm, I'm giving you some referrals here. Um, so don't commit McLeod, me. Ready, McLeod, <laughs> a Canadian yeah. guy. Yeah. Then John O'Brien. Yeah. John O'Brien is probably like too busy. He's like CTO of like three companies and like lives out in California, I think, or Atlanta. And you know, he's just super small. And you know, he's we we, we have been in touch with him, and he will be coming on. Yeah, he's he's got going. It's just. I learned so much from O'Brien. Um, Stringfellow, Bradley Stringfellow. Okay. The, if I say the name Stringfellow, do you know why that might be funny in the UK? No, but you can explain it. You're going to like <laughs> this. So Bradley Stringfellow comes in as a greenie into, well, we were we were Paisley's only leaders. He came into the kill winning area. So like you report the same Irving Ward. And Stringfellow, now I don't know if you should Google it, but there's a really famous guy, the surname of Stringfellow, who is a nightclub owner of an, uh, like a lap dancing club owner. And he's like really well known throughout the UK. So Stringfellow is a lap dancing club. So <laughs> he, I think throughout his mission, he got a lot of interesting comments on his way. So, but he, He's a stud, and you're you're like brother string fellow. That's amazing. Okay, I've seen Bocco a few times since being home, and uh, he he might have some an interesting perspective on life right now. So maybe speak to Bocco. Hardy, Ren Hardy, he's kind of like I think he's probably like one of these guys you want to reach on LinkedIn. I'm not sure how much he uses Facebook and stuff, but. uh, yeah, funny enough, so I, I served with Hardy for two weeks. When I was in Hamilton, we were in a, a tripanion ship of sorts when uh, Elder Aurelio went home because of his visa. So, I, And funny enough, I couldn't get into touch with him anywhere else, but someone said, hey, reach out to him on LinkedIn, and I have his phone number, so I'm going to be chatting with him. Yeah, and uh, have you spoken to Brian Barber? Yeah, he's uh, he's one that we spoke with last week, and his episode will be be on in the next week or two. Okay, did he mention that he served with me and McConkey for like a transfer or like three weeks? Did he mention that? Um, uh, let me well, check, my, check check my notes. Trying to write that brain, but when we were when we were in Nervin, he um, yeah he did yeah he did. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I don't know what he'll say, but that was a funny time. Because me and Barbara got on really well. And uh, he came and lived with us for like the last three weeks of his mission or something. And he was like the definition of truncate. And he was like, didn't want to leave the flat. So we would just had this agreement with him that, look, that's cool. You stay here. But number one, you've got to clean the flat. Like the flat every day has to be like super clean. And you've got to make us food. So like, we'll go out and do missionary work and do his only the stuff and then when we get back we'll just have a cool time and we'll have to be together and yeah, it was fun look he, he'd been a good missionary he had some tough companions various so he's allowed he's allowed um 
the system missionaries might not expect me to reference them, but uh, maybe two ones. I'd love to know where Sister Wellington is at in her life right now. And I knew before Sister Lewis, she's now Sister Howells. So the guy who introduced me to the church, Ben Howells, his older brother, Matt, married Sister Lewis. So uh, so I, I've seen Sister Lewis quite a few times. Um, okay. And Tom, Tom Brownlow, if you've ever... Yeah, we've been in touch with Tom, and he will be on in the future. We could. We know each other before from... So actually from Sheffield, where I'm from, was Brownlow, me, Mace, Skinny Mace, Carl Newman. So it was like a little like Sheffield Scottish thing going on there. So... Yeah, so some of them. So there's all your referrals. Treat them right. like old. I expect well, to pass. I can tell you that uh, Skinny Mace will be on in the future. It was really weird. Uh, I actually messaged him this morning because I had a dream that we were on a podcast, and but I I wasn't hosting it like my sister was, and it was like a technical nightmare. So I, I messaged him today and I said, I think you need to be on the podcast, and he responded and was like you know i was about to reach out to you so clearly we're on the same yeah. same same wavelength mine was a little yeah. bit weird though yeah <laughs> no so, yeah there's your list and, and look you, you guys must be doing this quite often now like are, you, are your wives you know are they, are they like interested in anything like i play a lot of golf i got like obsessed with golf like there's tiger woods by the way and uh like my my wife struggles with the concept of me playing golf quite often, but like doing this for like hours on end. Your your wife's cool with that. Most of the time. On the Sabbath, like what time is it now? Like, isn't it like Sunday dinner time? No, it's only right now. As as I speak, it's just after three in the afternoon. So, yeah. you know. so it's like you you broke away from playing family monopoly to come and do this, <laughs> and you're going to go back. Okay. <laughs> Just sure, absolutely. Dessert. Just in time for dessert. No, we, I, we have had some interesting conversations. My wife, in particular, I love her to death. She said, "You need to slow down," because we, you know, we've caught the fire as much as anybody else. It's been so much fun to reconnect, to hear stories, to you know, hear names that we haven't heard of forever, and. You know, all yeah. of us have pulled out our preach my gospels and our study journals and our our uh, you know personal journals and just trying to like find those memories and those you know things that brought us joy while we were in Scotland together. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's been unbelievable for for Jack and I, and you know, to the detriment of our family time a little bit, but nonetheless, you know, we'll find we'll find our pace and. We'll keep it going. It's there's just it's endless. Like all the people that you've mentioned today that we haven't talked to, you know, apart from Elder Barber, there's there's a an endless list of, of missionaries that and people yeah. from from Scotland too that live there. Like I had a a conversation via Instagram the other day with the ward mission leader when I was in Dunfermline and I said, Hey, would you want to be on the podcast? And he said, Yeah, heck, heck yeah. So, yeah. you know, those are um, things that, that, uh, that'll be really cool to see how this evolves because yes, it started as conversation amongst missionaries, but it'll still be really fun to connect with anybody and everybody who's connected to the Scotland Edinburgh mission in some facet. It'd be interesting to hear from members and their perspectives. And, uh, I, yeah. I, I did. I did mention my wife that, saying that she should just let me play golf, but she's a really good woman. I love her lots. And uh, I did take her back. I've been to Scotland once since my mission. English people and Scottish people, right? Come on. Th there's a feud there. So not very often are we going to enter each other's territories. Um, <laughs> but I, shortly after my – so let's keep going on and tell you another mission story. But um, shortly after my mission, we were teaching a guy, Alan McConkie and I, that um, – He'd actually been in prison and murdered someone before, and he got out of prison. And we were teaching him, and he had to go to like first presidency approval to be baptized, and that all took a while. And um, basically, his baptismal date was like 
a, a month after I got home from my mission. So anyways, I said to my now wife, Rachel, I said, like, shall we go back? Let's go back to his baptism. I want to go see him get baptized, you know. We were teaching him for a really long time. Anyway, so I take I take her up and I take her out all the good families that I knew that would say, like, amazing things about me just to try and convince that I was a good person and that she should marry me. And um, that worked, by the way. Anyways, so we turn up to baptism and the guy doesn't even show up to his baptism. It's like, man, if that is... Scotland, as a missionary, then there you go. I've travelled a long way to see you get baptised and you don't even show up. So, yeah, thanks. But, look, I got a wife out of it, so I'm hopeful. There you go. There's two sides to that coin. Amen. <laughs> Sorry. But, look, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I could talk about my mission for the rest of my life. No. Go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say it's been great. I think all of us kind of feel that way, right? There's so much from just two years crammed in there. And this has allowed Zach and I to explore some of that with our friends. And and I think back to like how many people we've talked to already, we've covered probably an eight-year span of missionary work in Scotland. And there's just so much history there, so much into that. So, And you're a part of it. So thanks for being on. No problem. Love it. Yeah. yeah, we appreciate you staying up late to hang out with us this evening. And uh, ultimately, we'll we'll find an opportunity to speak with your longtime companion, Eller McConkie, in the future. But nonetheless, we really appreciate you. We love you and hope that we'll continue to be in touch. And again, if there's any other people that come up as you're thinking and reminiscing and hearing more stories from those that we speak with, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. No, I appreciate that. Look, thanks for the opportunity and uh, Godspeed and all that. And uh, hopefully speak to you both soon. All right. Love you, mate. Have a good rest of your night. Take care. Bye-bye.